Good morning, Real Life family. My name is Ryan Craig. I am the family ministry director here at the church, and I want to talk to our seniors today. Well, actually, I, I want to talk to everyone today, but it is time for graduation. You have done it. You finally made it through school, and now you get to go to college, and you get to be in debt like me. It's, it's great. Okay, maybe... Maybe that's not the best, most inspiring thing to say to you, but there is some truth in it. And today I do want to share with you guys some truth because this is an exciting time in your life. You're about to go to college. You're about to make new friends. You might find the love of your life. You're about to begin your career. But I want to tell you today that we need to make sure that we are building up your life, that you are building up your life in the correct way way. So I'm going to get to it. I've got a lot to talk about and, and I don't want to, to, to preach for too long like I do in youth group to you sometimes and, and uh, hopefully you haven't fallen asleep. I can't really see with the light in my eyes in the youth room there. So hopefully you don't fall asleep when I'm, I'm just going on and on. And Okay, Ryan, quit going on and on. Let's begin the sermon. All right. Well, first of all, I want to tell you about uh, a, a famous structure. We've all seen pictures of it. A lot of us have wanted to visit there, and, and it's just a beautiful uh, monument in Italy. I'm talking about the Leaning Tower of Pisa, and I just want to share a little bit about this tower and its history. So in 1174, there was an architect named Bernardo Pisano. Okay, I can't say it. It's a hard name to say, but I tried. But this guy, he began work on his most famous project. This was going to be a bell tower. It was going to be a tall bell tower for the cathedral in Pisa. It was going to be super high, 185 feet. Now, he, he built it not realizing that there was a problem, that the soil underneath was softer than they expected. And that's why it has that famous lean. It took 176 years to build this tower. And during this time, there was a lot of things done to try to compensate for this soft soil that the tower was on. The foundation was shored up, the ever other uh, I'm sorry, the upper levels were even built at an angle to make the top of the tower look straight, but nothing worked. And it stood this way, leaning for over 800 years, but there's problems. So not too long ago, they, they closed the tower for 12 years, uh, and, and then it was reopened to the public. But during that time, the uh, engineers, they did a $25 million renovation to stabilize the tower. They removed 110 tons of dirt and reversed its famous lean by 16 inches. Now, why did they do this? Well, the tower was tilting further and further down for hundreds of years. Uh, so at this point, the 185-foot tower was 17 feet further to the south than the bottom of the tower. And, and they were concerned that if nothing was done, the tower would fall. 
So what was the issue here? Did they make a bad design? Was the tower built poorly? Was, was it uh, uh, just not good planning? Well, the problem is the foundation. The foundation of the tower. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about your foundation. Where is your foundation? We all have these dreams when we graduate from high school. I went through my high school career dreaming of being a children's pastor, which is essentially what I am today. And I dreamed about this moment for years because I loved kids, I loved the ministry, and, and I loved the Lord. But as I went through high school, and a lot of you know about my tragic upbringing, the difficulties that I faced as a young child and as a high schooler, and I'm going to be honest with you guys for a moment here. There was so much trauma and hurt and pain there. There was so much wrong there that a lot of what I was projecting, a lot of what I was showing was false. It was weak. And I wasn't really who I should have been. There was this pretty facade. Just like the Leaning, of Tower, Leaning Tower Pisa is a beautiful sight to behold. I just had this fake facade about me and, and my foundation was weak. But I, I had these dreams to become a children's pastor anyways. That's what I wanted passionately to do. I, I went to, to college and, and, uh, and, and well, I didn't really study very hard. I actually barely showed up to class and that was, um, let me tell you, I'm not sure if the couple hundred uh, days of sleeping in were worth the tens of thousand dollars of crippling debt, but you know, that's what I did with my life. And as I, as I went through all of this, it was a fake persona I was putting forward. You see, I was, I was still hurting, but I had these dreams to, to complete this goal, right? I wanted a house. I want to get married. I want to have children. And we all want a house. We all need somewhere to live. And so we, we, we need to build our house, not, not the, the physical, but our spiritual house on something strong. In Matthew 7, 24 through 21, Jesus shares a parable. And it's, it goes like this. Therefore, anyone who hears the words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain, will, came, the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words and does not put them into practice, it's like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. What is your house built on? Is it built on your dreams and aspirations and the things that you hope and wish for to happen in your future? Or is it built on your pain and your trauma and your hurt 
Like mine was, what is your house built on? Now, we need to study a little bit here uh, what's going on in this parable. So why did the person in this story build his house upon sand? Why did the foolish man build his house on sand? Maybe he didn't want to dig down enough to know that the structure of the house was secure. Maybe it was cheaper to do it this way. Maybe he wanted to save a little bit of money. So maybe you have these plans and these dreams, but what are they rooted in? Are you willing to dig down and figure out what they're rooted in? Or maybe you have this foundation and it's built upon trauma and hurt and pain and it hurts. It takes work to dig down and to bring that out and to, to, do it properly. Maybe you just need to move locations completely and build your house upon a rock. Or maybe, maybe it's built upon sin and upon things that it shouldn't be. Maybe you're all about living a life that is, is full of partying and self-satisfaction and, and or, or, or not even that. Maybe you're using things to cover up that pain. Are you willing to do that work though, to dig it up and to figure out where's my foundation? Because I thought for years that my foundation was upon the Lord, but my foundation was actually upon my sin. It was actually upon my trauma. And not until recently later in my life did I discover this. And I had to tear down shop and I had to rebuild it all. There are a lot of things that could be your foundation, your sandy foundation. It could be politics. It could be your job. It could be your family. It could be your church. It could be good works. And here's the thing. These aren't bad things, but they are just your building materials. They're quality building materials, but that's not your foundation. Or maybe it's some of those other things I spoke about earlier. Those are not quality uh, uh, building materials. But they shouldn't be your foundation. We don't take the siding from our house when we're building a house or the carpeting from your living room or the ceiling or uh, the roof shingle tiles and build your foundation from those. Those are building materials. You want and need those things. But they're not what you build your house upon. So what is your foundation? Well, Jesus should be your foundation. Jesus said that building your life on any foundation that isn't stable is foolish. Psalms 14 one says, uh, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Second Proverbs 28.26 says, he who trusts himself is a fool. These are very foolish thoughts and behaviors, but look at what Jesus called foolish, hearing but not doing. So how does Jesus define uh, a, a person who builds his house on a firm foundation? He defines them as wise. How does Jesus define a person who is a wise builder? By someone who hears. The word of God. And then he doesn't. 
So we need to read our word. You need to read it like you would any other book. Actually, you need to read it more than that. You need to get down into it and really start to study it. Listen, I love the Bible app on our phones. I love seeing people complete their devotional plans. I love that we can pull out our phone and we can just Google when we're having an issue or feeling a certain way and look up scriptures related to that. But you need to read your Bible and study it like a book. You're about to go to college and crack open some books on your major or on your general education courses, but you need to open up your Bible and read it cover to cover and study it. When I started doing that, everything began to change in my mindset and the way I viewed things in the context of stories, and I began to see a narrative, and we're going to get into that narrative soon, right in this message. But you really need to read it cover to cover so that you know what it's talking about and what God wants and not just read it, but then you need to do what it says. Because when you do what it says, your life becomes prosperous. No matter what your job ends up being, no matter what college you end up going to, no matter what your major is, you end up having everything changed. And listen, let me talk to you adults too. I'm not just talking about the kids here. I'm talking to you too. All of this stuff applies to all of us. And yes, I may be saying graduates a lot or whatever, but that isn't who I'm only talking to. I'm talking to all of us here. You know, James 2.26, it says, faith without works is dead. And then James 1, uh, 22 through 25 uh, says, um, and it's this, do not merely listen to the word of God and, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do what it says. So you need to get in and make that your foundation. You need to make Jesus your foundation. You need to listen to his words and study them and know them and then do it. Because when you do that, you begin to learn some things. And I'm going to share with you something that I've learned recently. I've been reading through the Bible cover to cover, like I've told you. And we go through and we see King David. And then King David, he had a son named Solomon. And Solomon became king. David had messed up a few times himself. See, David was a man after God's own heart. And God was his foundation. But he stumbled a few times. And because of this... He lost his kingdom. And the, the king before him, Saul, same thing happened. He was following after God, but then he began to rely on his own, his own um, pride and his self-image, the way he viewed himself. And his actually insecurities ended up playing into him doing some things that he should not have done and didn't follow exactly what God said. You, he heard the word of God, Saul did, but he didn't do it. And so first he loses his kingdom. God said, you're going to lose this kingdom. And then he said, you're going to lose your legacy, meaning his children weren't going to sit upon the throne. So then David's put on the throne. David becomes king after Saul is gone. And David's a man after God's own heart, follows God, does what God wants, but he messes up a few times. And because of this, it comes with a great loss. And David ends up passing away. 
And from then we see this whole line of succession through the books of First and Second Kings and through Chronicles and through, through the books of Judges. And all these books we start seeing these lists of kings. And as it's listing these kings, you see something interesting. A pattern begins to emerge. It will, will list a king. And I have an example here of one of them. This was actually a son of Solomon who was king in Judah. You see these kings of Judah and Israel listed. It says, Rohabim son of Judah, this is 1 Kings 14, 21 through 24. Roman son of Solomon was king in Judah. He was 41 years old when he became king and he reigned 17 years in Jerusalem. The city of the Lord has chosen out of all the tribes of Israel in which to put his name. His mother's name was Nama and she was an Ammonite. Judah did evil in the eyes of the Lord by the sins they committed. They stirred up his jealous anger more than those who were before them had done. They set themselves high places, remember this, and sacred stones and Asherah poles on every high hill and under every spreading tree. There are um, a, a lot of evil things that came from this. They did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And then you begin to read about the kings that came after him. And these kings always had an interesting uh, uh, intro, an interesting intro, a very uh, profound intro in my eyes. It would say, so-and-so became king. His, this was his mother. He reigned for this amount of time. And he did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Or he please the Lord, or it would say, he loved the Lord with all of his heart, but he did not tear down the high places and the Asherah poles. So we've got all these kings, and they are either following the Lord or they're not, or they're only half-heartedly following the Lord, or they're not willing to tear down the high places and the poles. And see, Solomon himself that's where these poles, um, that's not really where they started, but that's when they became very popular in, in, in his reign because Solomon married 700 women. That's 700, 700 women. Okay, here's the thing. I'm not sure how he did that. That's, that's, that's absolutely crazy to have that many Wives, can you imagine waking up in the morning and walking out into uh, you know the living room? I guess uh, I don't know if he had a living room in his temple in his palace, but walking out and, and seeing somebody and you say, yeah, "Well, who are you and what are you doing in my house?" and freaking out and you think there's an intruder and the, this woman looks at you and says, "Honey, I'm your wife." Oh yeah, listen, it was a joke, a prank. I'm sure. I'm sure that was an interesting lifestyle, but he was commanded not to have all these wives. God told him and, and his prophets warned him, but he did it anyways. And he got a lot of wives and he loved them all. And because he loved them all, he set up altars and high places and the, these Asherah poles. And these Asherah poles were these, these poles, sometimes they're stylized trees or they're a pole that they would put a shrine onto of the goddess Asherah to worship the goddess Asherah. And so it became popular for this to happen in this time. 
And as these kings go on, some of them would tear down these poles and they rip these poles down and they would have peace on all sides. Their, their reign would be mostly prosperous for the most part. Some of them would still meet an untimely death or have an attack on the country. But overall, they pleased the Lord and God protected them. And then you would have these kings who would really lean in to this sinful nature and this behavior. And their reigns would be short or they would be very dramatic and violent. And then you had another group. And I feel like this is the group that I kind of was part of myself growing up. This group that only followed God halfway. You see, they loved the Lord and they did things pleasing to the Lord, but they would not tear down the poles. They would not tear down the high places. And they, therefore, they weren't getting rid of the things they needed to. And let me ask you today, what are your Asherah poles? What are your high places set up to Baal? You might say, Ryan, I don't have any idols in my house. But maybe you do. Do you have an addiction that you're facing? Do you have a hurt and a pain that you're facing? Do you have something there that you're not willing to get rid of? You see, a lot of us, we follow God. We read our word. We pray. We come to church. We do the right things. And God's pleased with some of the things we are doing. But we have that hidden sin. Or we have that trauma we haven't dealt with. Or we have the things we like to do that we shouldn't. Or we're not fully devoted. Or God's saying, I need you to go here to this college. Or I need you to go here to this career. Or I need you to go speak to this person. But you're over here saying, I think I'm going to go this way instead. And you still love God. You're still doing the right things, so to speak. You're still still somewhat in alignment, but you're not willing to pull down some of these old things. And some of these old things remain from our fathers before us. There's something else interesting in all of these old books. And it says that he followed in the ways of the Lord, like his father David before him. Or he followed his fathers before him and did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And you see these kings over and over again. Parents, adults, or even if you don't have children, whoever you are, maybe what you're doing is a result of what your parents did before you. Generation or cur generational curses are a real thing. But also, if you have anything in your life, you need to tear that out of your life. Because we pass that on to our children. We pass our sin and our curses on to our children. And they can be broken. You see, there was a king named Josiah. And he reigned from a little boy. But about um, 16 years into his reign, there was a priest cleaning out a room in a temple. And he found the book of the law. The one that Moses had wrote. And Josiah had the book written or read to him and he realized we aren't following God. We aren't 
reading his word, we aren't studying his word, and we aren't applying it. And he tore his clothes in torment. And then he began to follow the ways of the Lord. He commanded the people to follow the ways of the Lord. And he rededicated and cleansed the temple. And he uh, uh, instructed the people in the ways of following God. And this was later on in his reign that he did this and he returned to God. And I'm telling you, it's not too late for you to do the same. You can return to God. So where am I going with all this? We need to build back our foundation upon the rock. And let me tell you, seniors, graduates, do it now, early in your life. And let me tell you, a lot of us adults would tell you, do it now, it will be easier to face that trauma. Maybe you've been hurt or abused or beat down or broken, face it now. Get rid of that hurt now. Bring it before God. I'm, I'm an advocate of seeing a therapist. Go see a therapist and deal with your trauma. Or maybe you're at the beginning of your life and you're just beginning to discover some things that you like. Maybe they're sexual sins. Maybe they are, are, are drinking or maybe you're experimenting with drugs or, or marijuana or whatever. Let me tell you, get rid of those things now. Dedicate yourself now because it's easier to build up your life on this foundation now when you're just starting out. You see, the Tower of Pisa wouldn't be leaning today if they had just done the work early. And those of us who are later in our lives, we don't have to be like the Tower. We can be like Josiah and we can rebuild everything from the ground up. We can go and we can tell, tell God that we need him and we can begin to follow him and we can rebuild from everything. He can rebuild everything from scratch. Jesus was a carpenter. Let him build your foundation. Let him build your life. And for those of you listening today to me, I want to say this. Maybe you've never heard these things before. Maybe you don't know who Jesus is. But let me tell you something. All of this points to Jesus that we are talking about today. You see, living this perfect life that we were expected to in the Old Testament was difficult. We had so many laws and rules and regulations to follow. And that's often what we view Christianity as, what the world views Christianity as. And honestly, a lot of churches, a lot of Christians, a lot of the world, that is, that is how they do Christianity, is don't do this or do that. Wear this, don't wear that. You need to get baptized this way or that way. You have to to get to heaven. There's all these rules. Let me tell you, that's not what it's about. It's not about following a strict code. You see, it's impossible. But then there's Jesus. He did the impossible. And he came to this earth and he lived a perfect life. And he did it because he loves you, because he knew you couldn't. Because he knew that we could not do it. We couldn't live up to the standards of a sinless life. So Jesus did it. And then he sacrificed his life. He gave himself up because there's a consequence for our sin. And that sin is death. So Jesus said, I'll do it. 
And Jesus died and he went into the pit of hell. And three days later, he rose from the dead and he did it as a sacrifice, as a payment for what we've done. So we can give our life to him. And yes, we need to build and do what the word says. But all you need to do is give your life to him because he's already paid for it. And then you're saved and you have a hope and you have a future and you have a chance of making it and you'll be there with him someday in glory. And you'll be there with him someday celebrating and singing and worshiping him in eternity and all your pain and your hurt and your suffering will be gone. You see, it's not about following these rules, but it's about living a life of freedom. It's about living a life of prosperity, a life of joy and peace, because he has the Holy Spirit for you, and he has those fruit for you, and he wants to give them to you, but you have to give it to him. So today, sitting in your living room, if you're a senior and you've never given your life to God, if you're an adult and you've never given your life to God, if you're any of these people and you have, but you need to make some changes, you need to tear down those remaining high places, those remaining remaining Asherah uh, uh, poles. If you need to get rid of that sin in your life, some of those things you aren't willing to give up, maybe an addiction, maybe a hurt or a pain or a trauma, Maybe, maybe it's something else entirely, but the things you're holding on to, if you need to get rid of it today and say, you know what? I need to fully follow God and I need to build my foundation on him. Then I want you to close your eyes right now. If you need to be saved for the first time, or if you need to give something to him, say, Jesus, I give my life to you. And Jesus, I want to build my foundation upon you. And God, I will follow you for the rest of my days. I take your free gifts, your gifts of peace and joy. And God, I dedicate myself to you. Amen. Thank you, friends, for listening to me today. And graduating class, congratulations. I am proud of what you've done. I'm excited because this group of graduating children, I've been with you now for, or children, I'm sorry, graduating adults, I've been with you now for a few years, and it's just, I'm, I'm so proud of what you've done and the growth I've seen in you. And a lot of you, I'm confident you already have that firm foundation. And I'm excited to see where your life goes. And church, I love you. God loves you. And have a great week.